Now, a few years ago, I had a friend who bought a, a used car, and the vehicle was three or four years old at the time. Uh, but for him, he was moving up in the world with this, this new-to-him used car, and, and he was all excited about it, and he's, he's loving driving this, this car for the first few months. But then within uh, three or four months, he, he ended up at the garage with something going wrong with the car, uh, a part in the front. And within the first year of owning that new-to-him car, um, he had gone to the garage three or four times with the vehicle, put in a lot of time and money in this vehicle that was supposed to make his life much easier and, and better. And um, the mechanic, each time we would go, we essentially say, yeah, this part wears out on this vehicle a lot. This part is known to cause problems. Or the check engine light would come on and the mechanic would, would say, yeah, this, this particular make of a vehicle often has engine problems and stuff like that. And so he was, he was kind of telling my friend, you know what, you didn't buy a very good car. This, this just isn't a very good car. You, you have a piece of junk. Now, I'm not going to say the make of the vehicle for fear that I'll anger some people or cause unnecessary stress in their lives. Um, but my friend was, was lamenting to me about how this vehicle was, was supposed to be better. Um, he, had, he had plans of just like having a more reliable vehicle, and it was, it was the opposite. And I said, well, when you were looking at purchasing the vehicle, did any of the reviews or forums say anything about these trouble spots? Because each time the mechanic said this was a, a trouble spot in the vehicle. And he goes, what do you mean? I was like, well, did you check consumer reports or Canadian Black Book or just even a simple Google search on the car for whether it was a good car? And he was like, nah. And I was like, so what made you decide to buy this vehicle? And he goes, I like the shape. I liked the color, and I liked the price. And that was the information he used to buy this vehicle, and that little to no information caused him a lot of headaches and a lot of pain. Now, sometimes um, lack of information or misinformation, yeah, it causes us little headaches, um, some trouble, like it was for my friend, lots of time, lots of money. But sometimes little information, misinformation, can have a catastrophic results. Like if you study um, history at all, you will see how many major decisions, how many um, defining battles were fought with little to no information and the results of that. And so with almost anything, um, we want to have good, truthful, reliable information to inform our decisions and, and what we do and what we think. Now I want to ask this question. What is informing your faith? What is informing your faith? What informs what you believe about God? What informs what you believe about creation, about your life, eternity? What is informing that? Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is being confident of what we hope for, certain of things that we do not see. And so if you are a Christian, you have faith, I hope, that God has done what he says he's done in his word that God is going to do what he says he's going to do in his word. Now, what is informing that faith? It's important because we, we honestly believe that our faith has eternal implications. Our faith informs what we believe about God, what we believe about creation. So it informs how we, we view the world, what we, how we view ourselves, how we, how we decide and the things we do. Our faith is very necessary to know what, it, what is informing it. And so if you're a disciple, what is informing your faith? And you probably would go, well, it's the Bible, of course. I'm a Christian. It's, it's the Bible that informs my faith. 
But I want to ask, are are we rushing in to say that it's actually the Bible is the primary informant of my faith, and it's not actually that? Like, maybe, maybe it is the Bible, but maybe is it possibly what a pastor, what a leader, when an author says about the Christian faith being the primary informant of your faith? Um, is that what is telling you what Christianity is about, what God is about, or is it scripture? If somebody asks you a question about your faith, do you go, well, I, I remember one time Pastor Greg said, or I read in a book that Christians believe, or do you think scripture? Book, chapter, and verse. And I want you to ask yourself, honestly, what is the greatest informant of my faith? Is it scripture or is it something somebody is saying about Christianity or the Bible. Um, and, and in the early stages of being a Christian or when we're coming, becoming a Christian, it's going to be a person usually that is informing it. But as time goes on, it should actually be God's word that informs it more and more. Howard Dayton, he said this, when we neglect Bible study, we are molded subtly by the views of culture. And so in other words, every person is a student of someone or something that is informing um, and shaping um, your life. It is, there's something that is the primary influence on what you believe about all things. And so what is shaping and molding your faith? And so as disciples, we, we would say, yes, it should be God's word as the primary thing that is shaping and informing it, and thus what we believe about God, ourselves, and the world we live in. Now, some of you might be going and being honest with yourselves and going, no, it's, it's not actually God's word that's the primary informant. It, it might actually be Pastor Greg, it might be a life group leader, it might be a Christian author, and we might go, is, is it okay if I'm kind of getting secondhand information about Christianity or the Bible from them? Isn't, isn't that enough? And I think that might actually be a dangerous assumption Um, I honestly believe this of all our leaders and teachers here at the church, that we try and take God's word and and teach it in the most truthful and honest way we possibly can. But here's the danger. If you neglect to study scripture, you can become a slave to whatever sounds right. If you neglect to study scripture, you can become a slave to whatever sounds right. And here's what I mean. I could come up here Bible in hand and go, remember how Jesus says in the Gospels that God helps them, or God helps those who help themselves? Or I could say, yeah, I've, I've spent so much time in the book, and, and the thing that God's looking for is that you are a good person, and that's how you're going to get to heaven. That's how you'll have eternal life. But Jesus is just one of many ways. The important thing is that you're a good person. Now, I could, I could come up here and say those things. I could be waving my Bible. And if I'm not, or if you're not familiar with Scripture, those things sound close enough to being true. And if I'm confident in what I'm saying, and if I'm up here on a, a church's platform, why would it not be true? But neither of those things that I just said are true. And one is, is completely false. And so just there, well, let's be honest. There are, there are people and there are churches that are, are teaching things that aren't, aren't right. They're, they're twisting, they're ignoring Scripture, and they're doing it all under the guise of Christianity. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, Timid, or, uh, Peter says this of Paul's writings, There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other Scriptures. 
And so there are warnings like this in Scripture because what we, what we believe, our faith has eternal implications as to where we will be in eternity. And so when you come on a Sunday morning, um, when you go to a life group to study God's Word, we encourage an open mind, we encourage an, an open heart, but we really, really encourage an open Bible. We encourage an open Bible because we, we want you to see, we want you to understand that we're not making this stuff up. Uh, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we encourage open Bibles, not simply so that we can know right things about God, but more importantly, so that we can know God personally. Um, The Bible is not just words about God. The Bible is words from God. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 119, verse 105. And the psalmist says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, if you grew up in the church, um, you went to Christian camps, you might have sang that song like, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'll spare you me singing it. Um, maybe you, you open up the, the first pages of your Bible and it's kind of inscribed there. Psalm 119, verse 105. But, but when it's saying your word, uh, it's saying God's word. Now, the Bible is the most um, widely read, most widely printed and distributed book in history. Um, you, you can find it in almost any bookstore. You'll find it in a lot of hotels, nightstand tables. There was a survey in 2013. And in this survey, uh, they, they called and they sent out uh, just questionnaires. And what they discovered was this, that the average American house or home had 4.4 Bibles. They also discovered that the majority of Americans, 57% of them, only read their Bible four times a year or less. They discovered that 26% of Americans read their Bible what they would consider regularly, which was four times a week or more. And let's just realize that that survey is five years ago. That was also in the States. And so I'm just going to say our numbers up here in Canada, probably worse, um, probably not as good as those numbers were five years ago. And so we live in a culture where God's word is readily available, but not really read. And so think about it. It's, it's amazing that, that something, like this is, this is God speaking to us. And yet it's, it's, it's available in something that's so common, so ordinary, a book. Reading, accessible to almost any person, any language, But God did this for a reason. He wants us to read it. He wants us to have access to it. And so the Bible, in the opening pages, it presents God as the creator of all things, the maker of heaven and earth. And so if God is the creator of all things, and and this is his word to his creation, it would make sense that everything God says to us through his word has implications to how we um, look at, to how we understand, and we live in God's creation. Uh, for, for people who go, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of creation? God is saying right here. It, it, the answers are right there. God is, 
is revealing it to us in his word. And so we can read God's word to better know and love our creator. And so in reading God's word, he's saying, this is who I am. This is the things I have done. This is the things I am doing. These are the things I will do. And so our primary goal in reading scripture should be to know God better. The primary goal of reading scripture is to know God better, which leads us to proper worship of him. And when we think of worshiping God, a lot of us think of this hour on Sunday morning, um, what takes place here at 9.30 or 11. But that's only a minuscule part of our worship of God. The way we worship God is by the way that we live our lives. And in God's word, he informs how we are to live. He informs how we are to worship him every day. And so the psalmist goes on and he says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Now notice the, the psalmist isn't going, you know what? Your word is, is fireworks in the sky. He doesn't say your, your word is a, a smoke and laser show or something like that. He says, it's a lamp to my feet. And the psalmist is saying this, God's word is practical. God's word is applicable to everyday life. And so as I've said, the Bible's not a book we read to gather information about God and, and to be amazed and maybe like be able to fill in a crossword answer or a Bible trivia question here or there. The Bible helps us rightly understand our maker, our world, and ourselves. And so when we, we shine a light on our feet, it shows us where we are. A light shows us who we are, what we are becoming. Like maybe you've gone into somebody's house where they have those bright lights above the mirror and, and you just kind of look in there and you see everything. And you go, man, I'm getting wrinkly or I'm getting gray or I've got huge bags under my eyes or something like that. But, but a light shows us who we are. And God's word is a lamp. I mean, and it's brutally honest with us. It tells us we are sinners. It tells us we are in need of a savior, but it gives us hope. And so God's word is this standard by which I can examine my life against, but also make changes to become like through cooperation with the Holy Spirit, that God sanctifies us through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Now the psalmist goes on to say, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now something a lot of people do, a lot of the times when people go to the Bible, it's because of this. They got some stressful, worrisome, difficult um, news, and they know it's, it's just not easy. Um, and so they get the, the, that news and they go, where is that Bible? Where, where is it? And maybe you go to the junk drawer and you're like, it's in here somewhere. Maybe you go to the bookshelf or, or your nightstand and you're like, ah, there it is. And it's been a few months since I've used this or something. Emergency hasn't arisen. But, but we go to the Bible in times of hardship or trouble and we're going, God, give me something good. Like, give me some hope. Give me some comfort. And that, that's often when a lot of people go to the Bible and there's nothing wrong with going to scripture for hope and comfort in those difficult times. But the Bible isn't there just for those moments of desperation. Think of it this way. If you, if you treat the Bible that way, it's kind of like this. 
you get in your car at night and you're not in the city, you're out in some country um, road, it's, it's super dark and you, and you just get in the car and you drive for miles and for miles without the lights on. But then you hit something, you run something over and you go, oh man. And then that's when you turn on the lights to see where you're going. We would say that, that's foolish to wait until you've hit a tree, gone into the ditch, run something over to turn on the lights to, to guide you the rest of your journey. You know, you would turn them on at the beginning to help you navigate the journey. And so God's word, it's not, it's not an emergency flare that we break out when things go wrong. It's a, it's a lamp to guide us in good times and bad. It, it shows us which way to go. It shows us the things that we are to do. Now, when I say it tells us the things that we are to do, if you open up the Bible, there was no verse that ever told me you are to marry um, Shannon Nicholson. There was no verse that ever told me, you know what, you are to pursue ministry um, with your life. There was no verse that specifically um, told me the address I'm to live at, where I'm to buy. But there, the, the Bible is there to guide us in righteousness, it tells us and informs us how to do the things that please God. It is this steady light that helps us navigate a dark and confusing world. And so we don't go to God's word simply in times of trouble. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so God's word informs us of God's wisdom and the wisdom of God's ways. And God's ways just work better in God's creation. And I think, I think some people, and this is, this is Christians included, um, we are the author of a lot of the troubles in our own lives because we hear God's word, but then we don't do what God's word says to do. And, and in his word, he's going, don't, don't do that. Don't pursue that type of relationship. Don't make that the most important thing in your life because that only ends in, in heartache and pain. And we go, I, I hear you, God, but I think I got this. I think I know better. And then we pursue that relationship. We make that thing the most important thing in our lives. We do the thing God says, don't do. It only ends in heartache and pain. It blows up in more fa our face and we're going, how should I have ever known? Like, who, who would have thought this wouldn't work out where God has been going? No, don't do that. And so God's word, it informs us how we are to live. It is not there as rules and, and laws to make you miserable, but to rightly live and understand God's creation. And so I want to ask you this. How might your life change if you began to use God's word as the primary informant of your faith? What if, you, what if you began to do what God's word says to do? How would that impact your life? Now, in order to be able to do all of this, we have to know God's word. We have to be able to study God's word. And maybe you've heard somebody say, you know what? Um, reading the Bible is easy. The Bible is so simple that a child could understand it. And so you begin to read your Bible and you hit these, these difficult passages. It doesn't take long to hit some of them. And you begin to struggle. And you go, am I just dumb? Like, I don't get this. And you're going, like, if a kid is supposed to be able to get this, and I, I can't, I, I must be a moron or something like that. And we, we struggle. 
And I think in a, in a goal to make God's word more accessible, to encourage people to read it, a lot of pastors and teachers have tried to say, you know what, reading and understanding God's word is, is super simple. Anybody can do it. And I think a lot of people have heard that. They began to study and they find that it's not actually super easy and they, they give up because it takes um, work. They found it to be the opposite of what many people have said. And, and the gospel message... Um, it, it is simple enough for a child to understand, but there are depths to the gospel that a theologian could spend their entire life studying and, and still not understand. Like Peter, we, we read that. He says, Paul's writings, they're, they're, they're confusing at times. They're hard to understand. I, I think I'm, I'm fairly well studied in scripture, but there are things that Jesus says that I read and I read again and I read again and I'm going, I'm not exactly sure what Jesus is saying here. There's things that he says that are perplexing and difficult to, to interpret. And so the Bible is a difficult book. The Bible is a hard book, but one with great reward. And so it takes time, study, and effort to understand and interpret it. But you get this from living life. The best things in life take work. You have to put stuff in to get good things out often. And so... Reading and studying scripture, it's going to be a discipline, but it will also be a joy. And if you are a disciple, I don't think anything will change you more than reading, studying, and applying God's word. Um, if somebody has been a Christian for years and, and they just haven't matured, or they're, they're just stagnant in their faith that hasn't changed, that's usually an indication of an unopened Bible. I love this quote from, from Charles Spurgeon. He says, a Bible that is falling apart, um, the binding's broken, pages are starting to kind of tear out. He says, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And this is just a general observation. It is not an absolute by any means. But people's whose, people whose lives are, are guided, shaped, led by the word of God tend to be um, financially emotionally, spiritually, relationally healthier compared to those who, who don't. And again, I'm, this is just a general observation, but this is God's word to his creation. It would make sense that it works in his creation. And so some of us are diligent students of God's word. We, we study it regularly. Some of us want to be, but we don't know how, and there's every one of us in between those two extremes. And so I want the rest of this message to be practical. Some of you don't really need this. Some of you really do need this. And these are some tips and recommendations that I've collected over the years. It's not exhaustive by any means, and it is certainly not the only way to be able to do this. But again, I just want to kind of help those out who, who might be struggling. There are plenty of great resources out there, aside from what I'm saying here, that will help you in this. But the first thing is this. Commit to reading God's word. Um, don't say someday I will become a, a devout student of God's word because someday is where dreams go to die. Start today, start tomorrow. Um, just commit to reading God's word. Pick a time and a place. The goal is to create routine. Now, some people, they prefer to do it early in the morning so that God can have the first 
word in the day. That his, his voice would be the first voice in their day. Um, for me, the first thing I usually hear most mornings is a baby crying and Shannon going, go change her. Um, that's just my life right now. But maybe, maybe um, you need to read it at lunch. Maybe you need to do it after you get home from work, after the kids are in bed. But try and pick a regular time and make it part of your routine. Um, also, try and do your reading in the same place every day. Maybe there's a quiet corner at home, a home office, the kitchen table, wherever it has to be. Some people have to use their car. They just get to work early and they read in the quiet of their car. But um, try and do it in the same place, a place that is not distracting, a place that is comfortable, but not so comfortable that you fall asleep. I don't recommend reading the Bible in bed. Now, get your stuff together. And what I mean by this is the stuff that you will need. And so um, what I take in when I do my study is I take in my Bible, I take in my notebook, a pen, a pencil, a highlighter, I have my reading plan, I also have this list of 10 questions that we'll get to in a bit. I usually also have um, coffee, because coffee and God's word are a beautiful thing together. Um, Also, if you're in the Instagram thing, it's just like, how else are you going to be like, reading God's word, just spend time with the coffee, hashtag blessed. Um, that, that is definitely a generational thing. Some of you are going, what are you, Instagram? What? Sorry, I'll stop. I'll get myself in trouble. But, but get your stuff together. Um, get a good Bible and get a translation that you can understand. I don't recommend a paraphrase for studying God's word. Um, and I'm going to sound old-fashioned, but I think a paper Bible works better for studying God's word than using a phone or a tablet. And here is why. I have tried to do it on my phone. I have tried to do it on my computer or tablet. But what happens for me is a text message pops up. An email comes in. Or I go, somehow, I don't even know how it happens, but I'm like, I'm on Instagram or something. like. It just happens. And so with a paper Bible, I'm far less likely to be distracted. Something really cool here happened a few weeks ago. Um, I got down off the stage after introducing somebody for kind of a a, a sharing time. And one of the sound guys was like, BJ needs you, our children's ministry director needs you downstairs. And so I I started heading downstairs. I'm going, oh, what's my kid done or something like that. And I get downstairs and and BJ says, um, he tells me the story of this young girl who had shown up with a Bible that day. Um, But it was a Bible that she had borrowed from a public library. And she had taken the, the Bible out of the library so she could read it at home and bring it with her to church. And she was like all pumped about this. And so BJ goes, do we have any Bibles we can give her? And it's like, absolutely. And so we get her a Bible, and, and BJ was telling me later on, it's like this girl was just pumped to have her own, uh, her own Bible, to be able to take home and to read. So the point of that is be like that young girl. <laughs> Love God's word. If you don't have a Bible, visit the Welcome Center. We will give you a Bible. That is our gift to you. uh, The next step is get a reading plan. If you aim at nothing, you are sure to hit it every time. Um, So have a plan. I recommend reading systematically, not using the random dip method where you kind of go, okay, time to read God's word. Oh, looks like I'm in Mark today. Um, Where you pick a verse here or chapter there, you avoid what you don't like. The Bible was written as books and as letters. They're best read and understood that way. Um, if you kind of just do the random dip method, it's kind of like jumping into a TV series um, three seasons in, mid-season, mid-show. You're going, I don't know what's going on, how we got here. So read systematically. Um, 
If you don't know where to start, I'd recommend starting with the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, narratives on the life of Jesus. There are plenty of good plans available on the internet as well to help guide you through the Bible in a certain amount of time. There are apps. I'd recommend the YouVersion app. Um, I think it's available on all platforms, and it just has tons of different plans. It will give you reminders to read and stuff like that. So that might be a good place for you to start. Um, Try to read every day. It takes 21 days to form a habit. It takes longer to solidify that habit. And so as you try and read every day, don't be legalistic about your reading. Reading God's word does not change the way God thinks and feels about you, but it will change the way you think and feel about God. And so if you, if you miss a day, don't go on a guilt trip. Don't beat yourself up. Like, think of it this way. If you miss a meal for some reason, you don't go, oh man, I've been so inconsistent in my eating. I'm just never going to eat again because I'm just such a terrible eater. No, you pick up and you eat at the next meal. If you miss a day of reading God's word, just pick up and read the next day. Keep going. Before you actually start to read, um, pray. Psalm chapter 119, verse 18 if I can get there, it says, again, if I can get there, Psalm 119.18, it says, Open my eyes that I may behold your wondrous things out of your law. And so when you, when you begin, before you start to read the first word, pray. Ask God that he would help you read expectantly. Ask God to help you be alert and aware to what he's going to say to you. Ask him to help you um, apply what he's saying to you. As you read, and and so we're at the reading step, keep your goal realistic. Um, Quality is more important than quantity. When I was in Bible college, they would make us read through the entire Old Testament in about three months. And so I would sit down and I blasted through Leviticus in about an afternoon. And you could go, what did you get out of that, James? And I would say, nothing. I got really tired. That's what happened. Um, but there have been times where, where I've spent like hours with one or two verses and God has used that time, just those two verses to, to impact and, and change me. And so don't rush it. Read over the passages again for clarity. Don't stop midway through your reading um, to do a doctrinal study or a word study. Just make notes as you go. And that's the reason I have a notebook with me. I can write down those questions. I can write down those thoughts. I can come back to it later. I also encourage a paper Bible because you can mark it up way easier than you can um, a a tablet or a a phone. Um, You can write questions. You can highlight things. Something I think is really cool is that if you use a paper Bible, your kids, your grandchildren someday, they'll be able to open it up and go, you know what? Dad, mom, Grammy, Grampy, they loved God's word. They read God's word. It impacted them. They can see your notes They can see what God was doing to you through your time uh, together. And so after you're done your reading, you can take those questions, those notes. You can go looking for those answers, whether it's in a commentary or in a study Bible. The next step is to apply. Um, You're not going to and you shouldn't be able to get everything out of a text on the first reading. Um, you're, You're going to come back to a text years later and God is going to show you something completely different that you didn't see that first time. And that's part of maturing as a disciple. And we're not just trying to put in our time reading God's word, but we're trying to get stuff out of it. And so the goal is to know God more and have our lives changed 
by that reading. And so to help me do this, to help me in my application, as I keep a list of 10 questions with me that I think through as I read God's word. And so the first one is, is there an example for me to follow? Is there a sin for me to avoid? Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there a prayer for me to repeat? Is there a command for me to obey? Is there a condition for me to meet? Is there a verse for me to memorize? Is there a doctrinal truth for me to affirm? Is there a challenge for me to accept? And is there a passage with whom to share, or is there a person with whom to share this passage? Now, you note takers are probably like going slow down. You're killing my hand. We had these printed up. Um, if you want a copy of these questions, you can grab some on the way out. Uh, I'll have some at the door, or you can grab a copy at the Welcome Center. But that's just to be there to help you in, in applying God's word. Now, after you finish, pray. Um, just ask God to help you apply and live out what you've read. And so again, these are just some things that, that help me. Um, you will establish your own rhythms and routines as you do this. And this is not the only way to do it, but I think it's a good um, start. Now, John Piper says, Never grow weary of the slow, steady growth that comes from the daily disciplined, increasing love affair with reading the Bible. And so after a day or two, you are not going to look drastically different reading God's word. But day after day, week after week, year after year, God is going to use the word to make you become more like Christ. But it's a process. And so I just want to leave you with these questions. Um, What do you want as the greatest influence on your faith? Do you want to know things about God because somebody has told you about them? Or do you want to know God personally because you spent time with him in his word?